gold standard. Welcome to the Dr. Hedberg Show for cutting-edge practical health information. For the latest articles, videos, and podcasts, visit drhedberg.com. That's D-R-H-E-D-B-E-R-G.com. The information in this show is intended for educational purposes only. Always consult your healthcare professional before attempting anything recommended in this program. And now, here's Dr. Hedberg. Well, welcome everyone to the Dr. Hedberg Show. This is Dr. Hedberg. And today we're going to be talking about aloe vera and Hashimoto's disease. This was a exciting new study that just came out last month. And I was very impressed with the results. So I wanted to write an article about it and do a podcast on it. It's pretty rare that something comes along like this that shows pretty dramatic results for any condition just from a single supplement. So I'm kind of excited about it. And uh, let's let's jump in. So aloe vera, it's really one of the oldest medicinal plants that we know of. It was used by the ancient Egyptians. They called it the plant of immortality. And about 200 years ago, Greek scientists considered aloe a universal panacea. The technical term for aloe vera is aloe barbadensis. You've probably used aloe at some point in your life for um, burns on your skin. That's usually the most common use, using some kind of aloe vera gel product uh, to heal burns and flamed skin and things like that. And then a lot of other people will use it for, they'll drink uh, aloe vera juice for heartburn or if they have uh, an inflamed gut or upset stomach and things like that. I've used aloe vera for about 14 years now. It's usually in the the products that I've used to heal leaky gut. And it also I've also used it very well with uh, inflammatory bowel, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, constipation, irritable bowel syndrome, any kind of gut issue. Aloe works extremely well. And it works by reducing inflammation and it repairs the gut lining. It, if the uh, mucous membranes in the gut are damaged from medications or gluten and stress and things like that, Aloe works really well well to repair those mucous membranes. And it's also very effective for uh, bladder issues if there's bladder pain. And I've used it very successfully with what's called interstitial cystitis. And that's an inflamed bladder. And aloe has always worked really well at, at reducing that pain. So aloe's rich in about 200 nutritional substances a lot of minerals like iron, zinc, selenium, magnesium, just to name a few. A lot of vitamins like vitamin A and the B vitamins, vitamin C, E, folic acid. And then it has a lot of other uh, compounds that are anti-inflammatory. They're antioxidant, analgesics, antiviral, antiseptic. So a lot of uh, pretty powerful nutritional properties with aloe. So the at this point the the real science behind aloe 
I'm just going to give you a list of conditions that aloe has been shown to be effective for in the scientific literature, and that's genital herpes, psoriasis, seborrheic dermatitis, burns, wound healing, mucositis, which is inflamed mucous membranes, radiation dermatitis, frostbite, acne, lichen planus, aphthostomatitis, type 2 diabetes, HIV, cancer prevention, constipation, ulcerative colitis, pressure ulcers, and then traditional uses that aren't scientifically supported yet. This is mainly anecdotal reports. A lot of people saying that that it's worked for these issues, and those would be parasites, chronic leg wounds, lupus, arthritis, alopecia, bacterial and fungal skin infections, and tic de la rue. So quite a few uses there. Many of those are scientifically supported. So aloe has a long history of helping many conditions. But let's jump into this study on aloe vera and Hashimoto's disease. So this comes out of um, the journal. Let's see which journal this was. Here we go. The Journal of Clinical and Translational Endocrinology. And it was just published uh, March of 2018. And this study was actually inspired by one individual. She had Hashimoto's disease. And she started drinking 50 milliliters of aloe vera juice, basically as a laxative for her constipation and to soothe her skin. And then after drinking this for three months, she had had some blood tests. She checked her uh, TSH, free T4, free T3, and thyroid peroxidase antibodies, and they all improved. And then they got even better six months later. So to give you some specifics, her TSH went from 5.14 down to 1.83. Free T4 improved. 8.3 8.3 to 11.44. Free T3 went from 5.22 to 4.78. And her TPO antibodies decreased from 1,875 to 246. And you know from my previous podcast that once the TPO antibodies are below 500, then, then we've successfully treated the Hashimoto's and there's really nothing else to worry about once they're below 500. And I'll I'll mention a little bit later why that was a good thing that her free T3 actually went down a little bit. So these are some pretty profound changes just by drinking aloe vera juice and there were no other interventions that we are aware of, no dietary changes. She was not taking any thyroid medication. So based on these results, the authors put together a study and they recruited 30 women aged 20 to 55 who had Hashimoto's disease and subclinical hypothyroidism. And that was defined as having a TSH greater than 4 and elevated TPO antibodies. And these women had never been treated before with thyroid medication and they had never taken any supplements 
for their thyroid issues. So they had them drink 50 milliliters of, uh, specifically, it was called aloe vera Miller juice, manufactured by Zuccheri in Italy. And they drank it every morning on an empty stomach for nine months. They measured TSH, free T4, free T3, and TPO antibody levels at baseline at three months and then at nine months. There was a control group, but it wasn't a true control group. It was just data on 15 women from a local university hospital who had Hashimoto's thyroiditis and subclinical hypothyroidism. So let's get into the the results. So the control group, of course, didn't show any statistically significant changes in any of their thyroid test numbers. At three months, the study group, this is the study group is the one that drank the juice. At three months, they did show uh, statistically significant improvements in all four thyroid tests. And the TSH, free T4, and TPO antibody levels, they all improved again at nine months. And the free T3 levels declined at three months, but then there was no change in those levels all the way up until nine months. So let me give you the the basic averages. I'll give you a baseline, three months, and then nine months. So the TSH went from 5.19 to 3.12 to 2.01. Free T4 went from 9.63 to 10.67 to 11.83. Free T3 went from 5.29 to 4.38 to 4.32. And then the TPO antibodies went from 1,020 to 825 to 347. So some pretty pretty phenomenal results there. Very impressive. So I mentioned earlier why it was good that T3 levels decreased a little bit. So free T3 is one of those things that, unfortunately, there's a lot of misinformation out there on the Internet. Many people talk about having it in a so-called optimal level or high normal uh, being what we want and that really isn't uh, what we want. So free T3 levels will increase as a compensatory mechanism when free T4 levels decrease. So this is just your body trying to balance T4 and T3. Now as free T4 levels increase the peripheral deiodinase enzyme, that's the enzyme that converts T4 to T3, that activity decreased slightly. So there's a slightly reduced conversion of T4 to T3. So remember that a high T3 or a high normal T3 level, this has been shown to decrease lifespan. And I linked to that study in the article on drhedberg.com. It was called the Leyden Longevity Study, and then they did a follow-up study and reviewed that even in more detail. And it was pretty clear in that study that the higher your T3 levels, the shorter your lifespan. And that makes sense because if you're artificially driving metabolism, you're going to drive that machinery down over time and uh, reduce lifespan. And we know that in 
animals and in humans that uh, the more food you eat and the more T3 you have, the shorter your lifespan. That's why things like fasting and calorie restriction, ketogenic diets, things like that um, could can potentially affect a lifespan because T3 levels um, usually are on the lower end, moderate to lower end in, uh, in people who are doing those interventions. So that's why a, there's a short-term gain in energy, you know, feeling more pep when you take T3, but there are long-term consequences for that artificial stimulation of your metabolism. So that's why it's good for them not to necessarily be high. And this shift we saw in the study, even the authors talk about why it's a good thing that that actually decreased a little bit uh, as as free T4 levels increased. So the, the final author conclusions, and I'll just kind of paraphrase, they state that 100% of the patients in the study with Hashimoto's disease and subclinical hypothyroidism at nine months treated with 50 milliliters a day of aloe vera juice restored thyroid function and markedly decreased TPO antibody levels. They also talk about how these results are are potentially better than what we've seen in previous studies, and I've written about these studies on drhedberg.com, these previous studies that looked at selenium alone, and then selenium plus inositol for Hashimoto's disease, and I I have done uh, podcasts and articles on selenium alone, and then I have a separate one on selenium plus and ositol if you want to take a look at those but the results here were better than selenium or selenium plus and ositol no doubt about that and then finally they conclude that aloe vera juice rescues thyroid hormone production by reducing inflammation in the thyroid gland and reducing the need for conversion of t4 into t3 So let me talk about just my interpretation of this and my thoughts on it. Of course, it's very impressive, but the first weakness is that there is no true control group that consumed a sham product. So this would have been some kind of product. Whenever there's a, you want to do a study on a particular medication or product, you want a a double-blind, placebo-controlled trial. So the the control group should have been taking some kind of sham product. And uh, this could be like a sugar pill or some kind of liquid that didn't have anything in it. But we didn't have that. All we had was data from women who had Hashimoto's. However, these improvements that we saw on the blood tests, that would be almost impossible to achieve just with a placebo effect. I just, I don't really see that happening. I don't see how consuming a sugar pill or drinking some inert liquid could do that to TPO antibodies and TSH and free T4, free T3. It would just be hard to believe that that could be achieved with a placebo sham product. The other thing to note is that aloe's rich in a lot of substances that support the thyroid gland and the immune system, like selenium, zinc, 
vitamin A, magnesium, the B vitamins, vitamin C, vitamin E, iron. So some of those have reparative properties on the gut lining and the immune system, and some of them repair and protect the thyroid gland. Some of these women may have had low ferritin levels. The ferritin is how much iron is stored in the body, and and aloe is uh, rich in iron. And so they could have improved their ferritin levels, which would have improved thyroid function. Just another thing to think about. Now, I think one of the real keys here is that aloe repairs the intestinal barrier. And when you have autoimmune disease, you almost always have some level of leaky gut, what we, what's known as gastrointestinal hyperpermeability. And that's a major factor in all autoimmune diseases. So gut repair is, of course, always one of the main focuses on healing Hashimoto's. So taking aloe every day for nine months, that would significantly help repair any damage to the GI tract and heal the leaky gut. So also some of these women, they might have been constipated. We didn't know, and aloe vera has a laxative effect. So this could have potentially improved uh, digestion and transit time. So some of these women might have been going more often. And what that would do is that could potentially decrease excess estrogen levels. And we know that excess estrogen not only inhibits thyroid function, but it also exacerbates autoimmunity. So if you have estrogen dominance, you're most likely going to be somewhat hypothyroid and it will it will exacerbate your Hashimoto's. Now, if someone's constipated, they're going to be reabsorbing estrogen. And so they get recirculating estrogen and that's what causes these issues. So the aloe could have potentially eliminated the constipation or helped it. And that would have prevented recirculation of, of excess estrogen. We don't have any idea of the diet of what these women were eating. We don't know at all if they were gluten-free or anything about what they were eating. Now, the study is out of Italy, and in Italy there are there's a fair amount of gluten consumed in the diet. So if they were eating gluten, these results are almost too good to be true because that would mean that the aloe alone negated uh, many of the negative effects of gluten. So if they were eating gluten and taking this every day, then then that means that the aloe was was repairing the damage to the GI tract from the gluten and also uh, modulating the immune system, reducing the inflammatory effects of the gluten on the thyroid gland. But we just don't know any of that information from the study. Would have been really interesting to know what what they were eating. Um, it didn't say anything about their diet or if they were eating gluten or dairy or, or anything like that. And then lastly, the authors don't talk about the infection connection to Hashimoto's disease and the fact that aloe, it is antiviral against the herpes family. So Epstein-Barr virus is a herpes virus. And of course, herpes 6 and uh, Epstein-Barr and herpes 6, these are both intimately connected with uh, Hashimoto's in many cases. So these viruses, if they were active in some of these women, the aloe 
most certainly would have helped suppressed viral activity. And so some of the improvements we've seen may have been because of this antiviral activity due to the aloe. So do you have to drink aloe vera juice? It's not really the most palatable option. This I looked up this particular one they used out of Italy. All it is is pure aloe vera leaf uh, juice. That's it. But you can see the chunks in it. They even talk about it on the website, the pulp. And uh, so it's not the most palatable option, nor is it necessary. You can actually just take uh, capsules in a highly concentrated form. And so I've got a link to the the one that I like. It's a highly concentrated aloe vera capsule. And uh, that will be just as effective as the juice. One important thing I want to note is that I am concerned about anyone who would try this on their own if they're taking thyroid medication. Because if you're on thyroid medication and then you add this aloe in, this could potentially lower your TSH levels to the point where your prescribing doctor may think that you're taking too much and then would have to change your medication. Also, free T4 increases. So some patients might actually start to develop symptoms of hyperthyroidism because of the improvements in their thyroid function. And so they'd have to go back to their doctor and get tested. And of course, the tests will be off. And so it would be hard to get an accurate picture of how much medication to take. And in in some of these cases, you know, you might get to the point where you don't even need uh, to take thyroid medication if, in fact, the thyroid improves like it did in this study. So that's a really important thing to think about. So these are some very promising results for aloe and, and Hashimoto's. Again, just make sure if you're on thyroid medication, you absolutely have to discuss this with your doctor that you want to try it. Uh, it could potentially be damaging if your thyroid function improves while you're taking thyroid medication and then you develop hyperthyroidism. So that's a delicate dance that would need to be done between you and your prescribing doctor throughout the nine months while you would, you would be taking this. But I'm going to be using this uh, immediately on, on patients with Hashimoto's disease that I see and uh, aloes, for the most part, very, very safe and effective. And it has a lot of benefits other than just the thyroid. So in any case, go to drhedberg.com, and I've got this article up on the website in the article section, and I've linked to this study. It is a free paper, so you don't have to pay for it if you want to read the study yourself. And I've got all the links that I talked about to the resources discussed in this episode. All right, well, take care, everyone, and I'll talk to you next time. If you enjoy The Dr. Hedberg Show, you can support it by sharing each episode on your social media channels, like Facebook, and by leaving a review on iTunes. Please visit drhedberg.com. That's D-R-H-E-D-B-E-R-G.com to access the show notes and resources for today's episode.